if your life feels good, you're doing meaningful work, you feel fulfilled, you don't need mind-altering substances mm. or things to numb emotions. Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Have you ever thought about living a life with more freedom, more certainty, more clarity and confidence? Have you ever thought about what it would be like for you to truly live a life by design, not by default? If so, then listen up. Guys, I've got something absolutely incredible coming up that you guys are want to be a part of. It's called the Life by Design Summit. How to create a life on purpose with passion and freedom without needing to have it all figured out yet, even if you don't know where to start or if you've tried everything before. Look, chances are if you listen to this podcast, whether this be the first time or the 100th time you've listened to this, you are a dream chaser. You are a go-getter. You have big ambition inside of you. You have this burning desire inside within that is just waiting to be unleashed and to go into something worth meaning, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here listening. I've literally created this summit specifically for you. It is a virtual event, so it doesn't matter which country you're in. You can get access and jump in live with me for three and a half hours, okay? In this summit, you're going to learn the secrets that I've learned, that I've developed over the years to build the life of freedom that I currently have now. You're going to learn how to find your purpose in life and actually get paid for doing something that you love. You're going to learn how to discover unlimited motivation even on the days you feel lost, stuck, and you don't want to do anything. And you're also going to learn my four secret pillars to bridge the gap from where you are right now to the life you truly desire. Guys, there's no better time than right now to attend this upcoming summit. It's going to blow your freaking mind. To top it off, this is not some free, shitty masterclass, free webinar where I'm just going to bore you to death, give you 10% value and then just fluff you around, waste your time and then sell to you. This is three and a half hours of pure gold, pure value specifically for you so you can get to the next level in your life. Tickets are $47. That's it. And there's not even a sell on the call. So what are you waiting for? Hit the link in the description below of this episode. Get your ticket and I'm going to see you live on the virtual event coming up next. Guys, I cannot wait to see you on the Life by Design Summit. Okay, today's guest is an author, a speaker, a health futurist, digital nomad and allied health professional based here in Bali. He takes the big picture approach to good health and well-being and has a passion for helping people ignite their human potential and optimize this once-in-a-lifetime human experience. 
At 26 years old, after working 100 hours a week as a health professional in service of others, he was forced to pause, take a breath, and earn his own health back after completely burning out. This has led him down a path of self-discovery and learning everything there is to know about self-care and how we can nourish our bodies and our soul at the same time of creating a purposeful life. So, please help me welcome the guy who went from washing cars at 11 years old to now living the life of freedom and the author of his new book, Self-Care, The 12 Lifestyle Principles for People, my friend, Mr. Rory Gallagher. Hey, Morgan. Thanks for having us, buddy. Mate, I'm so fucking excited to have you on. Obviously, we've been friends for many years and I've seen you do epic stuff and also just live a really, really cool, fun life. And in fact, I was telling you the other day, right? At my seminars, I actually reference you a lot or I'm like, I'm like, I know this guy who lives the best freaking life because I really want people to understand that it's so easy to compare yourself on social media and think like, if you don't have a Lambo, you're not successful. If you don't have this car, you're not successful and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I got to meet Rory who lives a fucking wicked life and he's probably the most successful person I know on his terms because he's doing exactly how he wants. So, mm. dive into it a little bit. Let's kick this off. What is your definition of success? It's a really good question. I was actually uh, when you when you mentioned that I was I was just thinking about that because I grew up with a single mum. Dad wasn't around, so I had the it was just basically me, my mum, and my brother. And, and like you said, we were living kind of paycheck to paycheck at a young age. But I was well aware that I was born into a lot of privilege being born in Australia, you know, even traveling the world now and being in Bali. Everyone kind of jokes that you know we've got the golden passport. So. I think the definition of success changed for me over time. When I was younger, I was the first person in my family to go to university and that was a big leap. Like I didn't have, obviously, we didn't have the money to for me to go to university so I had to get funding from the government and I did a bachelor's degree in sports science because my mum asked me what makes me happy and what do I love doing and thought I wanted to be an engineer, a lawyer and all that type of stuff so that I could make some money and kind of free the family but... She worked with engineers and she sat me down and she was like, well, do you want to go work on oil rigs and do you want to like work in the mines? And, you know, uh, these guys work 12-hour days. They hardly see their families. And she was like, is that your definition of success and what makes you happy? And I kind of sat with it and I was like, no, I'm really curious about the human body. I'm really curious about how I can perform better as an athlete because I wanted to play football at a high level when I was younger. That took me into sports science at UWA. And then um, once I finished that, I had really good grades, you know, I was averaging kind of like high distinctions and a lady, Kerry, who was another beautiful mentor in my life, she said, man, you can do something else. Like, you're too smart to just finish with this. I think there's something more for you. So, she inspired me to dream a bit bigger and I think that's been a like a common theme is people inspiring me to dream bigger like once I take the step and kind of get into it. So, then I did a master's of physio and started working for the East Mountain Football Club who I used to play for. And I was pushing pretty hard, 100 hours a week, you know, managing a team. I had probably 100 athletes I was looking after. Plus, and I, I built development programs to help all the young kids. And, you know, I thought I was kicking ass. I had a scholarship with AIS, which would then take me to the Olympic teams and things like that. And, you know, I got shortlisted at 25, 26, and I was bummed that I didn't get in. But then one of the directors, she messaged me and she said, do you realize that you're, young, you're the youngest person to be shortlisted? By about five years so just keep going so I was like all right cool I've got uh, five years um, what am I gonna do and at that point is where I burnt out and uh, 
I thought, you know, from societal terms, cultural terms, family terms, I was like kicking ass. Like all my buddies were like, man, like you got your dream job, you're doing what you love. But one day I woke up and I was just empty. Like my cup was empty. Like I remember just like just trying to get out of bed one morning and I had no energy. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel connected and I didn't feel healthy. And that was the moment where everything changed. So I think from there, like long story short, the definition of success became about doing something that was purposeful and meaningful to make enough money to meet my basic needs, to have enough abundance to to share and circulate, self-fund my own projects. And then the whole self-care vision and the lifestyle medicine vision came to life because being a health professional that loses his health and then spends $100,000 speaking to all my networks of professionals to try to buy my health back and not getting it anywhere made me realize there was a massive gap, a massive niche that wasn't being served. And I just, you know, after I ran the journey, I just wanted to rem- remind people that they didn't need to be fixed and mm. just simplify it in a way that a six-year-old could understand it. And that's where the book came out. What do, what do you mean by that? I see you say that a lot. It's like we're reminding you don't need to be fixed, just simply nourish. What do you mean? Well, it's like, you know, if the moment you take your first breath, it's like we're a one in four trillion chance of being here, right? And we've got this like innate wisdom where like every single second, like even in this conversation right now, 50 million cells are replacing themselves, regenerating and just doing what the body knows how to do best, right? And we've been taught to to fix it, to go see someone, to get a guru, to get, you know, this or that or the other and, and been taught to think that everything that we need is outside of ourselves. Now... There is something where your proximity is power and having inspiring people and mentors in your life is really good because they can guide you but show you where to look without telling you what to see. Otherwise, they kind of take away that self-realization, that kind of like inner power, that, that ability to feel like a choice was truly yours. So, I think it's just about that, man. And just for anyone that's listening, like there's probably five or ten people that you follow or that you're inspired by and there is absolutely no difference between them and you other than maybe some focus, maybe some birthright, maybe some cultural stuff, maybe some abundance, but none of that matters. Like Mm -hmm. there's people from every single starting point that have done really cool things in their life. And you have to define success in your own terms. Like for me, I want to live in Bali, live a simple life. I've got my dog, I've got my partner. I can meet my basic needs. I can self-fund my own project and, you know, I can hang out with people like you. I can surf. I can manage my own hours. Flying home to see my family next week. I can just jump on a plane and do that. So, it's just about having choice for me. Yeah. And related to the things that I value most and the things that are most meaningful. So, it'll be different for everyone and that's cool because if you're comparing yourself to someone on social media, one, that's an illusion. Uh, Two, 90% of it's probably bullshit because people only show you what they want to see or like they want to show you. But ultimately, like just find people that treat people the way that you want to be treated, live a lifestyle that you'd love to live, someone that you would potentially change shoes with. If you find people like that, just hang out with them and they'll they'll give you the clues and the, the things in plain sight. Let's talk about your book, The 12 Medicines. Mm-hmm. What are they? Yeah. When I was going on my own healing journey, like you start with the basics, right? Like you go see a healthcare professional and like my challenge was like I had high blood pressure and I was tired. So, naturally, it's like... The doctor's like, here's blood pressure medication. And I was like, man, I'm 25. I don't want to be on this Mm. stuff the rest of my life. So, you know, modern medicine is obviously a part of it, but it's a very small part of what actually makes us heal and regenerate. So, the foundation is obviously uh, the environment we're born into. 
So that dictates so much for us from the first moment we're born. You know, whether you're born in Sierra Leone or Australia or Bali, the environment is going to have a different level of nourishment and support and opportunity, right? So that dictates a lot. And then after that, it's like nature is our primary life support system. You know, like spending 90 minutes in nature increases empathy, compassion. Really? Um, you know, obviously sunshine, oxygen is our most vital, mm-hmm. vital nutrient. And then after that, it's connection. So like uh, when I was tuning into like these longevity hotspots, it was the common theme was that they had a community over the lifespan that supported them. Um, I've heard that. We, we were in Spain one year for... Um one of my other mates, he's Spanish, right? And mm. we went all the way to Spain, this little tiny town out of Zamora. Yeah. And this way, their family grew up. It's like 300 people there. And we went there. They go every single year for their grandma's birthday. Mm. And she was turning 106 this year. Mm. Right? This little old Spanish woman. Mm. And it falls on the same weekend that they throw this big two-day party or three-day party in the village. Yeah. So, we're all there and we're having this big-ass fucking party. And here's she... Not partying, but at two o'clock in the morning, still on there. the streets, having a sangria, mm. sitting down playing cards with people. Yeah. And that's when I started to realize, I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, because she hasn't lost life in her. She's got that, like, the, all the people around her, such a family community there and they do things every day and yep. it's wild. Well, it's, it's the connection thing is interesting because it's like just look at the last two years. Everyone's been isolated, disconnected, yeah. polarized, put into a state of fear. We've been taught to fear hugging each other. We've been like, we literally, we were taught, uh, like I've, uh, I've had like friends work in hospitals where like parents are on the deathbed and they can't actually go inside and say goodbye. Imagine what that's going to create in the next five or 10 years, you know, mm. in terms of like the emotions and the subconscious stuff. It's like all of that stuff is so detrimental to well-being. And even from an evolutionary standpoint, the thing that separated us from other organisms was our ability to collaborate, co-create as a tribe. And to protect each other and to share resources, you know. So, it's like connection is like the third one. Genes is the next one which is like, um, you know, you and I are 99.5% genetically the same. So, anything like anyone you see, there's a 0.05% difference between them and you. And it just shatters the whole illusion of race and religion and and all Mm -hmm. that type of stuff because we're all essentially part of the same whole. The only thing that is different is the way that we spark this innate wisdom, which is our genes, epigenetics. So, we make certain lifestyle choices each day which turn good genes off on and bad genes off. And it's like, you know, if you're drinking, you're smoking, you're partying, you're dehydrated, then it's going to promote inflammatory pathways and certain things in your body. And then the rate of degeneration versus the rate of regeneration is going to be completely out of kilter. So, those 50 million cells are like replaced every second. Basically, you're just going to be doing way more harm than good. So, then you, you die a bit quicker. You know, you age a bit quicker. And it's that simple, right? So, genes is just about making good lifestyle choices. And then obviously, we've got the mind, which, you know, controls so much. But more importantly, is our emotions, which basically dictate our, our conscious mind and our decisions and our behaviors more than anything and people forget about the fact that we're feeling beings that think and then obviously we've got food you can argue about this forever but the longevity hotspots they're mostly plant-based and they occasionally eat meat and it's about the quality and source movement man 20 30 minutes a day doing something you love making movement meaningful part of your life in okinawa like the grandmas are still climbing trees in their 90s man like this lady you're talking about before in spain 106 she's still out there walking around probably and just enjoying her life 
And then after that, we've got work and lifestyle integration. So what we do for work, um, you know, we spend most of our time there. If you don't love it, maybe start doing something that you love. You can yeah. always find a way to make money, the type of life that you live. And then after that, we've got spirituality and our sense of like hope and connection to something bigger than ourselves. And then we talked about modern medicine, which is that passive intervention. If you're in a car accident, you're not going to put some herbs on it and meditate. You might a little bit, but you'll probably be seeking some acute care, yeah. right? And then after that, we've got technology. For 90 minutes you spend in nature, compassion, empathy goes up. For every two hours you spend on technology, compassion, empathy goes down. So people become more disconnected. And it's a reason why we've got this rising uh, burden of mental health issues because people yeah. think they're connected. Is there a, like, is it, have they worked out like percentage-wise? Like how much is it dropping through technology as compared to growing yeah, it's, well, think about it. Like how much, like just have a look at your phone and, and just look at the data and how much time you actually spend on it. Yeah. And then, you know, think about your lifestyle and like you sit behind a computer and you do this type of stuff. Like we shouldn't be sitting behind technology for more than 50% a day and it should enable, not disable our lifestyles. Yeah. You know, my laptop, my phone uh, allows me to work remotely from anywhere, which is great, which means I can be in Bali and I can go surf in the morning. I can, you know, hang out here with you versus having to sit in an office in the city and drive for two hours every day there and back and pay 50 or 100 bucks in parking and things like that, right? So, technology is a double-edged sword. It can be used for good or it can be used as a way to actually disconnect us and make us feel more isolated. So, yeah, that's pretty much the 12 medicines, dude. And... There's a yeah. lot there. So, you mentioned about these longevity <laughs> hotspots. I read partially of the book Ikigai. Yep. So, I'm actually aware of it. Uh, and you mentioned it, Okinawa. Okinawa, yeah. That's one of them, isn't it? Yep. So, talk to us about what are these longevity hotspots? Where are they in the world? And from your studies, what has been, I guess, some of the biggest keys that they do different to how we do? So, probably the guy that is most acknowledged for like blue zones longevity hotspots is this guy dan butner who's a journalist that's what's called a blue zone is a longevity hotspot blue zone right? yeah like global blue zones but actually there was some guys uh, that did the work before him and they went and studied these places where people commonly lived over the age of 100 right and the other kicker was that they didn't have the same burden of chronic preventable disease so, like type 2 diabetes didn't exist, obesity didn't exist, the mental health issues, you know, like the strokes, the, the cardiovascular issues, like none of this stuff existed. Wow. And, it, you know, it, it, they were kind of curious. So, what they did is they went and um, studied these areas and just through exploration and curiosity and they drew a blue circle around it, around these communities that had a high rate of centenarians and a low rate of chronic preventable disease. And that's where the, the concept of blue zones came, mm -hmm. like these blue circles, right? And then Dan grabbed that and then he went and um, basically wrote a book about it and just, you know, simplified it a little bit. And the places that, you know, you commonly know would be like Sardinia in Italy. That's the home of the oldest living men. Yeah. Okinawa in Japan is oldest living women. And then you've got places like uh, the Nicoya Pen uh, Peninsula in Costa Rica. So, a really beautiful natural environment. You've got Loma Linda in California. You've even got cities like Hong Kong, which are kind of up there as well, right? So, there's just this pretty much there's a community in every corner of the globe that has kind of figured this out, whether it's like in a city, in a desert, whether it's on an island, or whether it's in the USA, like Loma Linda. Like, the point is, is that there's so many factors to it, but there's things that are really common, uh, which I've kind of out, outlaid in the book. And it's just like, it's the connection, it's the way they live, M movement is meaningful, 
you know, they're mostly plant-based. That's the quality of the food. You know, the Sardinians drink a glass of red wine most nights, you know, mm. but it comes from really good soil, you know. So, it's not about alcohol being bad. It's just about what you consume and how you consume it and how often you do, right? So, but yeah, they're kind of some common ones. Yeah, this is, I, yeah, I want to book a trip to Costa Rica. I'm yeah, me too, man. Right now. I wonder what Bali is like because it's so, there's different parts because the other day when I came and saw you in Bingen. Yep. As soon as I got, like, I noticed, because Bali is a very energetic island too. Yeah. And as soon as I got up there, I was like, I feel nuts, like fucking good. And and then leaving Bingen, it was about halfway the track home, I just noticed a full change in my body. Mm. And because, uh, like, over the last few years, I've just done so much more work. Like, I'm, I'm so fucking intuitive and very in tune with mm. my body. So, I'm, I'm very curious on that because it's like, now I can sort of see why you want to hang down there more. Like, I don't know if you're consciously aware of that or not, but that part of the island, when I went down there, it was very, I'm like, this is peaceful. It feels good. And even down here in Schengen, it's hustle and bustle. And I think that's what you got to tune into is like, just notice environments where you leave feeling better than when you arrived. Mm. And uh, you can find pockets of it everywhere in the world. Like, even when I go back to Perth, like I love Fremantle where I'm born. But like Margaret River, man, like uh, that environment down there is uh, really nourishing for me. But then if I spend too much time there, it becomes very isolating too, right? Mm. So, when I traveled, I saw, um, you know, when I was even in in Lombok, um, I saw like this old couple under Mount Rinjani. And I went there with my mum to do this uh, social impact project with the community development center. And we went out to this kind of like farm and we met this old couple and they were... (laughs) We didn't realize at the time because we were like, oh, like the guy that was uh, with us, Muji, we're like, how old are these guys? And he was chatting with them and and he's like, oh, they think they're uh, 100 and something. And like you look at them and they were so happy. They were joking. Like they were taking the, the mickey out of each other. And I just looked around at their environment and it was so like, it was still natural, mm. you know, and they'd literally just been living a very simple life for like a hundred years and their body had come with them. And then I go to the islands and I see these um, fishermen with like six packs, dude, They're like 70, like still just, you know, working the boats and doing what they love and diving and all this type of stuff. And I remember seeing a lot of that and I'd go home back to like, cities and i'd see all these like overweight obese people even the doctors were obese and, like mm. personal trainer friends yeah. like were tired and chronically fatigued and i just like i just had this contrast i was like what is what is missing you know what i mean and and it's just the environment so it's like yeah you just got to find somewhere that that nourishes you man like mentally physically emotionally biologically um, and I think Bali for me is great because I can come up here and tune into the entrepreneurial scene. Mm-hmm. I can travel to the islands and surf. Um, I can, you know, hold space in somewhere like Bingen or over in Lombok where if I spend six months there, I always leave like feeling healthier and more clear than when I arrived. Mm-hmm. And I think people can find that in, in the context of anywhere in the world, States, yeah. UK, Australia, anywhere. Yeah. I think it's such an important thing to be aware of, right? Because I even said I've only been here 10 days this time mm. and on my second or third day, I said to my partner, I'm like, I feel so much healthier being here. Mm. Like my body feels good. I'm just, I'm waking up early. I feel great. It's, you know, I mean, there's so many different things. But if you're not aware of it, you don't know mm. how to even do anything about it. And I was like, look at now, it's like swinging the pendulum both ways. It's like, you know what I mean? I work pretty fucking hard. Mm. But one thing I've learned over the last few years is to equally swing it to the other side and do things for yep. my soul and have some fun, have some play and all that. So, I want to hear about, you talk about, you've got EQ, you've got IQ. Mm. What are the other two? 
I call it HQ, like heart intelligence, emotional intelligence, and then IQ is the one that we obviously measure. What does that stand for, actually? Uh, it's it's Show, inter- shows- intellectual quotient. Oh, quotient. Okay. So, can you break these down for us? Can you explain these? Because I've only really ever been aware of IQ and EQ. In school, I was told, you know, IQ-wise, not very good at all, which in our world, they're like, if your IQ is not good, you won't be happy, successful. And then I developed this thing called EQ. And I was like, ah, oh, mm. it farly surpasses IQ massively. Like most really successful people in the world, college dropouts and all that sort of shit we hear it time and time again. Mm. So, dive into these pills for us. What, what are they all about? Hey guys, just want to jump in here super quickly and remind you to grab your ticket for the upcoming Life by Design Summit. Now, just wait here for a second. You're listening to this podcast because you want more from life. You want more from life. You want to create a life by design. You want to dream out loud, don't you? Otherwise, you wouldn't be wasting your time listening to my voice every single week, would you? So, wouldn't it be nice for you guys to be able to speed this up? Wouldn't it be incredible for you guys to accelerate your growth, accelerate your learning and accelerate your freaking life? Guys, this is what the Life by Design Summit is all about. It is truly here to help you create a life on purpose with passion and freedom, okay? This is a summit where me and you get to actually hang out, interact with each other live at the virtual event. If you've been listening to this for a while and you're young, you're passionate, you've got burning desire for more in life and life is just not where you want it to be just yet. You want to have more freedom, have more clarity, have more certainty and truly Start living a life by design, not by default, not what the system has programmed us for, then you'll be at the Life by Design Summit, period. Okay, hit the link in the description of this episode, get your ticket. There is one coming up, it's just around the corner, so I cannot wait to see you there and we're going to dive deep into teaching you how to find your purpose in life and actually get paid for doing what you love and the four secret pillars on how to bridge the gap from where you are to that dream life. Okay, guys, go ahead and get your ticket now. You can feel so freaking amazing about uh, securing your spot now, being an early bird person. And then when we get onto the call, you're going to feel so freaking confident, so certain in your decision that you've made the right decision because your life is about to freaking change. All right, now let's get back into this interview. Okay, so we've all been brought up and we've been tested in school and education based on IQ, right? Our ability to like learn and relearn and regurgitate information. And that was seen to be a form of intelligence. But, you know, we're not taught how to look after ourselves. We're not taught to how to manage relationships or manage money or to bring our passions into reality. We're literally just taught, um, you know, after the industrial, after the war, it became an industrial revolution where people were basically taught jobs based on what was needed to fund the societies that we were building. So a lot of it was factory workers and, you know, obviously healthcare and and now it's very much technology and things like that, right? But the thing is, is that is not a measure of success or intelligence that we should be using as gold standard because EQ, like everyone is probably delving into the divine masculine and divine feminine and healing traumas and like really coming to terms with emotions. And I had someone the other day is like, how do you define an emotion? And it's like, it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the head. You can't really define it. Like there's so many different cultures around the world and they've got, we have like five or six core emotions. Like I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry, blah, blah, blah. Whereas other cultures, they've got, there's like 13 versions of love. You know what I mean? Like one simple thing is brought down into so many different aspects of what 
love is and what we we define it to be and then other cultures have like buddhist philosophy as well like they've got hundreds of different emotions right but the key thing is emotions drive our behavior more than anything Mm -hmm. like when you think about it it's like stress boredom and other other kind of emotions they're the things that trigger us on a subconscious level which is a 95 percent and then we act and react from our consciousness at the time and then we make decisions and then that becomes our character right so eq is kind of like the reminder that we're feeling beings that think what makes me feel good if i go to this job every day do i leave feeling better than when i arrived if i'm in this relationship do i feel uplifted do i have someone that supports me and believes in me and inspires me to be a better person or do i leave feeling a different way and we also have to take responsibility for our emotions because we project a lot of stuff We've had different upbringings. You know, so many people are going through like childhood traumas. I mentioned I grew up with an absent father and a single mom. So, I had a lot of freedom. I became very independent and I actually had to learn to let people into my life. I had to learn to ask for support. I had to learn to allow for appreciation and gratitude because uh, I just learned to give and share and circulate and figure shit out myself because that's what I had learned for nearly 20 years. So, we're learning and unlearning all the time. And then I guess the last couple is we talked about like gut instinct as well, right? Like GQ. Mm. So, you said you're very intuitive now. Mm-hmm. And intuition is like a mixture between like past experiences, things you've learned, seen, observed, and, you know, you get this kind of feeling in your stomach and it's like when you walk down an alleyway and it's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Or you go to Bingen or somewhere like that and you're like, oh, this feels really nice. Yeah. Um, but the challenge with the gut is, you know, so many people have anxiety issues at the moment. So, they see the anxiety, the butterflies in their stomach as being uh, something that's like a gut instinct telling them not to do it. But if you think the first time, say you went to, you want to be a singer and you're standing on the sidelines, you're about to jump on stage. And you get those butterflies and you could sit there and be like, oh, that's my gut telling me not to do it. But actually, it's like it's fear. Yeah, it's your brain trying to take over and your gut's just like basically trying to give you a signal. But as soon as you get up on stage and you do what you you know, you love and you're passionate about, it disappears in an instant. And then you break through to a whole new level and, you know, maybe your life unfolds, right? So, it's been able to understand what is anxiety and what is true intuition and i do you, think do you think anxiety is actually real or do you think it's a label that's been put on people and misused it's all labels man like the dsm-4 is the psychological like diagnostic manual and it used to be like one volume you know like one book <laughs> and now it's about like <laughs> 15 volumes of like you know there's anxiety a b c d g like and there's a whole different range of it and it's like it's the human's desire to basically label things and it's like the rat park experiment is a great experiment because they put mice in a little shitty container with water and morphine slash cocaine and basically like they're isolated they're disconnected and sure enough majority of the mice you know take the morphine and the cocaine and they basically drink it until they die then they created a really they and then they were like okay so this is what it is you know like you know where this is how addiction works and then another guy came in a couple of years later and he's like well no, like what about if we create a really freaking like what do we what about we create like rat park heaven? You know, so there's an abundance of food, there's heaps of different mice, like everything in the environment is just perfect. It's nourishing. And we do the same thing, we give them the water and we give the, the cocaine or the morphine water. And sure enough, like the, the rats would try it, but because their environment was so freaking nourishing and beautiful and their actual reality, they didn't need to escape it with morphine and cocaine and, and these mind altering substances. They never touched it. Wow. 
They never touched it. And then they just went on and the mice in, uh, in the Rat Park Heaven, like, they basically lived out their lifespan, you know? That makes so much sense, man, because, like, obviously, everyone I was in here, like, I used to, like, just party hardcore. Mm. And I haven't, like, taken drugs and shit in a very long time now. But I still used to drink heavy, mm. even back just a few years ago when I was living here in Bali. Like, we even go out and have some wild nights, right? Yeah. And, but that's one thing lately. Like, I can't tell you last time I've been, like, drunk. Mm. So, I actually just don't enjoy it. And because I get so much joy from my freaking life, I'm like, I have more joy sober. At most, I might have three or four drinks. I like a little social drink with people. After that, I feel myself actually like, oh, now I'm getting more on the drunk side. I'm not enjoying this. Mm. I like a social drink, two or three. It's fine. But I've really found a distinctive dis- difference now. And I've noticed it at parties when I go back to Australia. People like, it's Australians. Everyone's got drugs, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, you want this? And I'm like, actually, I'm... I remember I, was, I, was, I, threw, I threw the relaunch for my podcast. Yeah. I hired this whole restaurant. And the bartender comes up and he's like, hey, man, we're out to go do some uh, lines in the bathroom. You want to come? And I'm like, I'm actually good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> but I was just like, this is interesting. And what's so good is to when continually get, you know, people offering stuff like that. It's like, actually, I just know with full, I'm not doing that because I'm like, no, I need to be good. I'm like, no, I'm doing that because I just have absolutely zero, to- like, desire to mm. do anything that's going to alter how I just feel when I'm sober. I just feel fucking fantastic. It's such a really beautiful point because if your life feels good, you're doing meaningful work, you feel fulfilled, you don't need mind-altering substances mm. or things to numb emotions. You know what I mean? And like I mentioned, I grew up without my dad, but he somewhere along the line, he just, his family told him that his dad passed away because he wasn't there. And he was the only one that was actually there for him. And his dad actually told him to go live his life because he was in his final years. And so, dad went and did that. But then in his absence, the guy that was actually caring for his dad, then the family had to kind of come in and then all the projections and all the, oh, now we've got to do the work. So, therefore, like you made our life hard. Or It's just, it's toxic, right? And then he just didn't have what we have now. He didn't have men's groups, didn't have people that could be like, oh, that's kind of stupid, man. It sounds like you were the the one that actually cared for him. And mm. so, he helped, he kept that to himself. And it comes from an era where, you know, especially in Australia, it was like emotions were seen to be, yeah. and vulnerability was seen to be weakness. And it wasn't allowed. So, therefore, people just suppress stuff, sweep it under the rug. And then, you know, you'd see their behaviors. Like what happens when you're bored or you're stressed or you're dealing with pain or you're dealing with trauma. It's like you, you try to escape it. And there's two things you can do. You can kind of like open the door like lean into the shadows, uncover it, feel the pain, learn the lesson, move on. Or you can ask for support. You can create new experiences that trump old ones. Life goes on. But for the most part, alcohol is readily available. Drugs are readily available. We've got a massive opioid issue. And it's just, it's a sign that so many people are in pain and they're just trying to numb it. Alcohol, they're trying to suppress it, like just basically you know, suppress their minds. They stop thinking about the things that have been looping for so long and then they wake up with a hangover and then the the pattern repeats itself. MDMA and and cocaine, people just want to feel alive for a second or for a minute because they're not feeling that in their week-to-week life. Like I was um, with young kids down in the Southwest and they were taking like three or four MDMA pills on a Friday and a Saturday. And I'm like, where did this even come from? And like one, they were like, it's cheaper than drinking. And two, they were like, oh, this makes me feel good. That makes me feel bad and also like I put on weight and all this stuff. So, there's all these constructs that have been built around it 
And I got to a point, like, I, I love to have a beer with friends. You know what I mean? It's like the Sardinians. It's like, I'll enjoy it yeah. in the right company at the right time. Sure enough, like, I might, you know, I'm still an Australian at heart. So, every now and again, you'll, you'll kind of let yourself loose and, and just enjoy yourself and deal with the consequences the next day. But I think the thing is, is just, it, it just comes down to, like, choice and why you're doing it. And if your lifestyle is amazing, like, I remember having a moment where I was like, I'd rather get up and surf at 6 a.m. rather than be out till 2 a.m. Yep, that's me. Yeah, and that Nothing was it. Nothing past like 11 o'clock has my name on it. Yeah. Midnight latest if I go out for like a salsa night or something. It's like... <laughs> salsa, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's been fun. And, but yeah, nothing past like 11 o'clock entertain, entertains me. Nothing between 11 and 6 o'clock at night entertains me. I'm not yeah. up before 6. That's what I've found works as well. And I love everything you teach us about sort of just discovering what works for you and nourishing mm. you. And there's so much... Hive, like there's even the book, the 5 a.m. club and all this shit. And yeah. I, I focus on that for so long, like, you know, high performer, blah, blah, blah. But what I've discovered for me is my body loves it when I get up at 6.15, no earlier. I don't know why. I just love 6.15. I could go to bed at 2 o'clock, 6.15 still. I go to bed at 10 o'clock, still that. But if I wake up before 6, I just don't like it. My body doesn't like it. So, on this note, okay, because a lot of people that listen to this, they want to create epic lives. Yeah. They want to create massive success. How can they create massive success in their life whilst maintaining good health physically, mentally, emotionally without dying? <laughs> without dying. How can you live a good lifestyle without dying? Because like, like cause let's say for example, if someone, someone's working a job, right? And mm-hmm. they've got to build a side hustle to get out. Yep. You can't work your 8 to 10 hour job is what it is nowadays. Got some travel, let's call it 12 hours a day. Mm. If you don't come home and actually push the limits a bit, and build your side hustle, you won't ever escape that. Mm. So, there does have to be, like I did it for years. So, how can people actually have that balance of high performance and actually getting shit done Mm. whilst not destroying themselves on the inside? It's a good question. I feel like what 95% of people work as an employee, right, for someone else. But there's also a massive movement where there's, you know, the rising billions where there's um, a billion people that are learning to work remotely, work online. And the good thing about the pandemic is everyone's shown that they can do it, you know, even if it's part-time. So, you can spend two days at home and and get the work done. You can go, go spend three days in the office. So, I just think that it comes down to so much. Like, people create businesses and, you know, they provide opportunities for jobs. And I think everyone needs to start somewhere. So, I feel like just make sure that the first job you get, you're, it's taking you towards your true north. So, the first thing I think I would do is script and like write down like what your ideal day, what your ideal lifestyle would look and what would it feel like. Like it seems like such a woo-woo thing but it's like when I was 25 and I was in the depths of like pain and like no energy, that was one of the things that I was kind of like – asked to do and uh, or like inspired to do and I put it off like put it off put it off I was like ah it's all, all a bunch of crap and then uh, sure enough I had this one day and I was like all right fuck it I'm just gonna write it and then I just started I started being the director in my own life play mm-hmm. and most of us are passengers you know mm-hmm. like we're working to build someone else's dream we're doing what our parents told us to do we're, we're doing what culture says is okay like I was running the numbers on uh, friends back home in Australia and I was like the average wage is between 50 to 100K and we've got a lot of, even my friends, they're making $100,000 a year living paycheck to paycheck. 
That's without families because the living expenses are 50 to 100K. So it's like most people aren't even breaking even. And it's like, and on average, I think the average Australian is about $60,000 in debt. Families are about 300K in debt. So it's like everybody is making choices that leads them to live in scarcity. Money is just energy and we trade our time for it. And I think there becomes a point when you script your ideal day and your ideal lifestyle, you start thinking and you start appreciating like, okay, cool. Like I appreciate I worked for Domino's when I was younger because I needed that so that I could buy footy boots and just do stuff. I didn't have parents that could just pay for stuff for me. So they gave me an opportunity. I learned a lot about a lot of different things. And then, you know, being a personal trainer, had the opportunity to work with a thousand, maybe 2000 different bodies. So I got to see things and got paid pretty well. And then someone's like, well, you know, Ross, why don't you come and do like some group classes up at, up at the Oval with us? We've got 10, 15 people that want to do it with you. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, ooh, I'm like, but I'm loyal to the job. But, you know, these guys are willing to pay me $20 a head for an hour with 10 to 15 people. I'm like, I go from earning $30 an hour to earning $300 for one hour. And I'm a, I was a student at the time. So I was like, I was like, all right. So then all of a sudden I started doing three group classes a week, made 900 bucks. Mm. And then I was making 300 bucks for my job. So there's just ways that you can transition. And as your skills build, opportunities will arise. And then you'll be like, what is an hour of my time worth? I get 168 hours in a week. If I'm lucky, I get 700,000 hours in my lifetime. I spend a third of that sleeping. Like what, what value do I want to put on my time? And then you start figuring out ways where you can upskill and solve bigger problems. And then you can work for yourself and become like a solopreneur, become a remote worker. And then, you know, you start dictating, you know, people start getting attracted to you. And then you can start basically being the director in, in your own lifestyle and your own play and you can call other people into your vision and share and collaborate and co-create. And I think that's where like the success really starts to build when you break free of building someone else's dream but also appreciating that people give you opportunities to learn and earn and just making sure you're in the right environment with the right mentors, the right people. And if you're with the right people, they will want you to outgrow the position that you're in. Yeah. They'll want you to eventually yeah. go create your own thing. They will support you to do it. Because they believe in collaboration and co-creation. So, just find that. Yeah. One of the things you also talk about is mastering your mornings. Yep. How does somebody master their morning? Well, that was the, you know, when I was, like, my cup was at, like, 5%, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, financially even. And I just had this 12-month period where I was like, all right, Rose, it's just, like, you versus you. And I was like, you got yourself into this. Like I was the energy and the vibration I was sitting in when I couldn't get out of bed. That was a result of the choices I had made for the previous 12 months, the previous 12 months before that. So I took complete ownership. So I was like, shit, I'm like, I chose this. You know, maybe my environments enable it. Maybe I made some choices that, you know, uh, put me in situations where I ended up here. But then I was like, cool. If it took me two to three years to get here, it's going to take me at least 12 months to get out of it. So I just doubled down on just basically like core things man one was you know make sure your environment's good make sure your time's good um and that you have time for yourself you put an hour in your morning uh for yourself and i call it like an empower hour so you do something for the mind for like reading or something 20 minutes man you could do scripting you could do meditation you could right. listen to a podcast and learn something new and grow and expand you could sit there in stillness and try to like get to a point of no mind whatever it is and then so 20 minutes for the mind 30 minutes for movement, man, go for a walk with your dog. If you love surfing, go surfing, go for a skate, you know, catch, catch public transport and talk to strangers, you know, mm -hmm. at least you're moving, right? And then food and nourishment. So, 
oxygenation is, you know, when you, obviously when you move, your breath rate goes up. Um, you can be a bit more intentional with like your breathing. You can also do breath work. Um, you know, oxygen is our most vital nutrient. Hydration, water, three liters of water a day. You need a liter um, of water per 22 kilos of body weight. Uh, and then obviously food. So we're just trying to source like 90 building blocks a day. I don't care whether you're a carnivore. I don't care whether you're a vegan. The point is, is to saturate and to get it from a good quality source. And if you're mindful about where it comes from, then at least you're not making choices that have collateral damage to the natural world, which then impacts us in, in the future, right? Like eating red meat and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's the morning routine, man. 20 minutes for the mind, 30 minutes for movement, food and, uh, and nourishment. And then if you can do it with a tribe, like have connection, you know, like go to um, say, you know, go for a surf with a mate or say you're doing your, your morning walk with your partner and your dog and mm-hmm. your kid or say you do like a group training session, like they're 45 or something with like other people, right? You're kind of like hitting all the different elements. You do that every day for 12 months. You build by 1%, you know, set your standards of like nailing it four out of seven days or five out of seven days. And within 12 months, you'll be, your health will be 37x ahead of where you started. Well, I love this. Morning routines, like, it's the simplest thing and can make the biggest difference. Yeah. Like, I remember when I, when I started planning one, it's like, I know it's night and day difference. My whole day, my results, my mood, uh, fucking everything. And I bang on about it a lot on this podcast. Uh, mm. Even just the simplicity of wait, like putting your phone on airplane mode yep. when you go to sleep. Some wild shit. Dude, this has been awesome. Where can people find your book? I appreciate it, man. Um, you go to selfcare.global and slash book and it's all there. So, I really appreciate podcasts like this uh, because, you know, I've spent eight years curating this. Yeah. You know, the first three years was just like science and knowledge and then I realized that 90% of people don't resonate with that. So, then I spent the next three years turning into stories and analogies and metaphors and then I realized that was cool but it wasn't enticing. So, then... Um, I spent the last two years turning it into pictures and frameworks and things that a six-year-old can understand. And yeah. eventually one day I want to make it a kid's book. But um, but yeah, selfcare.global slash book. Uh, you can grab it on Amazon, self-care, lifestyle medicine for the people. And um, yeah. I pretty, love that because I, when, when you did tell me the other day, you're like, yeah, I've been writing this book for eight years. I'm like, the fuck, man? We've been <laughs> surfing every fucking day eight years? Yeah. And then when you send me this link, I'm looking at it right now, I'm like, holy i could see why like it's not just a book like oh bro there's so so i can't wait to get my hands on it. i gotta order our order back to australia this is epic so selfcare.global.com for the book and how about your instagram and everything else uh man all the the instagram handles selfcare.global mine is rory kc and yeah man just tune in like i'm sure morgan will drop the links and if this resonates with you like i just followed people that have a similar vibe, you know, similar frequency, someone that's living an inspiring life. And, you know, I've, I've managed to create, you know, a seven-figure business, live this lifestyle, live simply. I've been able to make money, lose money, sell fund my own projects, build relationships and help a lot of people along the way. So, if you want to tune in, um, I'd love to hang out and shoot me a message. I always match human energy for, well, human connection for human yes. connection. Love it, bro. All right, man, to wrap this up, I've got one final question for you. Go. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? 18-year-old me, drinking a lot of beers, playing footy, getting ready for uni. I wouldn't tell myself. I'd just like inspire my younger self to basically do what makes me happy, script 
the type of ideal lifestyle that I'd love to live and treat people the way that I could only hope to be treated and make sure that my proximity was inspiring and enabling and just to take life on, man, and just to like have the, that 10 seconds of courage to do anything that my mind, my heart, my gut just calls me to do and just go explore and then, you know, just make sure I live a life that's worth living and one day I'll, I'll leave this world and hopefully have no regrets. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story and make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.